Welcome back to the Scarlet Faithful Podcast. And for this episode, it's my pleasure to welcome in Nick Costco, national news desk reporter for On3 Sports, as well as play-by-play for Big Ten Plus for Rutgers Wrestling. Nick, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it, man. So, um, obviously, heading into Big Ten this weekend, wanted to do a preview with you. Um, but first, just to start, wanted to get your thoughts overall of, of what this season's been like for the program, a little bit up and down. Um, but overall, just your your kind of assessment of the program heading into the postseason. Yeah, I thought this year was going to be not quite a rebuilding year, but obviously you saw Rutgers and you saw what they did in the past with some of the hammers, obviously, Ashnault, Suriano, Sebastian Rivera. There wasn't one of those guys this year where you're like, all right, that guy's a bona fide national title contender, guaranteed All-American. You were kind of a little bit unsure, but you knew there was a lot of talent on this team, and I think in a lot of ways that showed the entire season throughout all the duels that the Scarlet Knights had this year. And then you kind of saw the the bump, you know, the bumps in the road, you know, guys taking their lumps, you know, obviously adjusting to a Big Ten schedule, a Big Ten grind, um, some of the younger guys. And, you know, you know, if, if you're gonna be honest about it, Rutgers is not a Penn State in Iowa or an Ohio State or a Michigan where they have this crop of freshmen where you know for a fact they're going to be top 15, top 10 as soon as they hit the mat. And now they're building towards that. I know the building process for a lot of Rutgers athletics can be a little bit slower than uh, what is wanted by the fan base and obviously the staff as well. But I feel like they've built something where it's going to be sustainable. Now, the tournament season is going to be very interesting to see where these guys measure up uh, in these big-time tournament settings. But I thought overall – you saw a lot of success out of the Scarlet Knights this year. And of course, another winning season under head coach Scott Goodale. So that was obviously uh, a bright spot as a team. Obviously, individuals uh, stood out, you know, like Brian Saldano is a true freshman at 184. He stepped in for John Posnanski, who redshirted this year, uh, 125. Uh, Dean Peterson, redshirt freshman, didn't see much of him last year. Um, so he eventually won the spot from Dylan Shalver, who was an NCAA qualifier for Rutgers last year. So talk about young bucks that are, really stepping up. Obviously, Joey Oliveri at 141 as well. He stepped in, you know, again, for I know the now departed Sammy Alvarez who went through transfer to Oklahoma State. But, you know, it's only his second year in the varsity lineup, and he really didn't get a chance to develop in an entire redshirt year. He's, he's been kind of just thrown to the wolves uh, two years in a row, and he qualified for NCAAs last year, and he's uh, gonna probably going to qualify once again as a ranked wrestler. And then, obviously, you know, guys like uh, – uh, uh, Joe Heilman, he's a grad, he's a graduate senior, but he's one of the veterans of the team, solid guy in the lower uh, end of the lineup. Uh, Tony White obviously had his lumps in the road uh, or bumps in the road at 149 as a redshirt freshman. Uh, Andy Clark dropped 57. He's vastly improved this year. He's he kind of cracked the bottom, bottom part of the rankings as well, so looking like he might make a run to Tulsa as well. Then, you know, the middle of the lineup obviously had its bumps as well. You know, Connor O'Neill, Robbie Kennard. At 165, it looks like it's going to be a canard for the uh, Big Ten tournament, obviously. Then Jackson Turley hasn't quite recaptured that form uh, for Rutgers uh, since uh, his 2021 All-American run in St. Louis. But uh, you know, he's obviously a guy who can just explore at any moment. You're kind of just waiting for it. Uh, Billy Janzer back out this year. You know, he obviously had to get reacclimated to 197, but seemed to be turning it up late in the season. And Boo McDermott having a great year at heavyweight. Obviously, the injury held him out for a couple weeks, but – as long as he's healthy, he's looking good to go. And I think Rutgers finally solidified a heavyweight, at least for the next couple of seasons, with him up there, obviously gaining about 40 pounds of muscle in the offseason. So he's obviously up to speed with some of the other big time heavyweights as well. So overall, I think the starting lineup did it did what they could this year. You know, they they obviously left some matches on the table. I know the Indiana match, I know, was burning. 
a lot of Rutgers fans' minds uh, back, back. I think it was back in January. So you know, you, you left some on the table. You got some wins where you needed them, and you know, you still came up short against some of the big boys. But you know, overall, I think it was a nice developmental year while still competing at a high level. That's a great way to put it. And um, you know, I always find wrestling interesting in the sense of once the dual meets are over. And then you get in the tournament play, and it really is all about individual performance. Um, you know, and Rutgers has been so consistent year over year with getting multiple All-Americans at Nationals. Um, you know, and now we head into the Big Ten Championships uh, this weekend uh, in Ann Arbor, starting on Saturday. Uh, before we kind of run through the weight classes there, I wanted you to kind of explain for people about the automatic bid process from the Big Tens for the NCAA Championships and how that works. And um, what Rutgers is looking to accomplish this weekend in that regard. Right. So the NCAA basically just uh, allocates all the automatic spots to all the conferences and all the weight classes, obviously, for those who are, even those who are unfamiliar with college wrestling, the Big Ten is the premier conference. So think the SEC for football, for a long, for a longstanding tradition. That's what the Big Ten is to college wrestling. So I'm looking at the paper right now. You know, they have 88 total bids from the Big Ten. And basically every weight class had it go, you know, just for the Big Ten, just, just, to, just so people know, Big Ten has 14 teams for wrestling, so think 14 spots or 14 guys in a bracket. So every bracket so far uh, through the allocations has at least nine automatic bids, except 165 is at eight automatic bids, and 174 has seven. Um, 157 actually has 10, and then actually, yeah, that, that that is the most in the country through any weight class in any conference. So figure this, the Big Ten has a lot of automatic bids. 88, next closest conference is... The Big 12 actually with with 64, so just go. It wow. shows the disparity, or at least you know the competitive balance between the Big 10 and the next best conference, which is the Big 12. So the NCAA puts it uh, puts it out based on what those guys have done uh, in terms of rankings throughout all the media services, the coaches poll, uh, what their records are, past history as well. And again, 157, just for an example, for the Big 10, I believe out of the 14 guys in the weight class, 13 of them are ranked via Intermat in the top 33. <laughs> So we have we have the 13th seed, and like I, and I actually believe it's uh, Andrew Clark for Rutgers. He's ranked 33rd, so he's in the top 33 in the weight class in the country by by Intermat. But he's the 13th seed out of 14 in the Big Ten. Just so it just goes to show you how deep it is. So that that's basically how it works. I mean, there's more math involved with it, but the simple way to put it is NCAA coaches poll all the ranking services, past experience, what they've done this year with their record. It's kind of all combined and all these formulas to get those uh, allocations spread out through all the weight classes. That's a great explainer. And uh, last question before we get into the weight classes, then uh, obviously if they if a wrestler does not earn an automatic bid, how does the at-large process work from there? So the at-large process is basically just, it's almost by committee. So think of how basketball or uh, football just uh, decides the rankings essentially. So probably more so for a basketball analogy, just because obviously there's a huge field. It's a field of 68. So you know, you think of, let's just say, for instance, the Rutgers basketball team did not get an automatic bid and they're waiting for that at large bid. And I, I know Rutgers is probably going to be, for basketball purposes, probably going to be what, a seven, eight, or nine seed in the NCAA tournament? You know, knock on wood. You know, I'll knock <laughs> on my head too as well. It's, it's pretty empty up there. So um, when you look at that, that's kind of how it is. So looking at the uh, Big Ten, by the way, or just actually all, all the at large bids. So the NCAA, for the all, all the brackets, there's 10 brackets in the weight classes. So 10 weight classes, 10 brackets. Every bracket has 33 guys, all right? I know it's, it's weird, 33 guys, but still, 33. And then I'm looking at the all, all the at-large bids. There's 46 total at-large bids nationwide through all the conferences, uh, through all the weight classes. So the Big Ten, for instance, um, based on 
they had nine guys or nine automatic bids in uh, at one twenty-five, and then other times like Big Twelve has six, ACC has two. So right. add up all the conferences. There's only pre, out of the pre-allocations, there's twenty-nine guys. So twenty-nine automatic bids for that thirty-three man weight class. There's four at-large bids for one twenty-five, and it's basically the same throughout the entire uh, all the weight classes. Most of them are only four at-large bids. Some have five. Uh, one eighty-four has seven, by the way. So there's forty-six at-large bids in total for NCAA wrestling for all these for all the weight classes combined. So let's just say uh, one twenty-five. If you don't finish top nine, you're, let's say you lost your ninth place match, you're in tenth. The Big Ten might get a little bit more juice just because it is the Big Ten. Let's mm-hmm. say you're a ranked guy. Let, you, know, you could be the fifth seed, for instance, at Big Tens at 125. Let's say you run into a hammer, you have an unlucky match, and you fall down the bracket and you wrestle for ninth place, but you lose your ninth place match. Now you're in tenth. All right. So you don't get an automatic bid, but because you were ranked, you're going you're gonna to get more. You know, you're probably going to get more hype to an at-large bid based on how the coaches are going to vote and who decides for those last at-large bids. So that's kind of how it works. So generally, you want if you're a guy who's not uh, not ranked, you kind of don't want ranked guys to fall because then they're they're essentially going to steal those bids, kind of like how in basketball, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an unranked team in, in a mid-major wins their conference tournament, right? But the only ranked team in that conference was going to get in regardless, and they're probably yeah. expected to win the they're expected to win the conference tournament. But say they they lose the conference finals, and an unranked team steals that bid. Now that ranked team is going to steal an at large bid from another team that's like, well, we we only went you know three deep in our tournament, but we weren't ranked and we were on the bubble anyway. So that's kind of the best way I can explain it when it when I compare it from wrestling to, to basketball. No, that was great. That was really uh, helpful, and it really puts into perspective how important. It is to get that automatic bid. Absolutely. Uh, to to want to get to nationals. So, uh, yeah, let's jump into. I want to go weight class by weight class. Obviously, 125 pounds. Dean Peterson. I thought he's had a really good year. Uh, 20 wins. Uh, he's five and four against the Big Ten field. But uh, as you kind of alluded to, a loaded weight class, only seated ninth. Um, you know, what are his prospects? Kind of what do you think he needs to do? And uh, what are your overall thoughts on 125? So 125 is basically for the entire country is Spencer yeah. Lee and the field. That's pretty right. much it. So it's like, who do you want to place your bets on Spencer Lee or the field? I'm putting on Spencer Lee to win his fourth national title for Iowa. So, um, you know, we, we, we've seen in the past where the big 10 is weird. Conference tournaments are weird where they don't want to, I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I would say Lee's going to go all the way and, you know, he'll, he'll go to the finals. I mean, we've seen situations where, you know, guys will wrestle for third, but like they'll, they'll just medical for it because they already have that automatic bid and they're saving themselves for, Mm-hmm. Obviously, the national tournament. So that's a you know that that's a conversation that, that I could talk about for an hour for another day. So, but overall, <laughs> one twenty five um, is Spencer Lee and everybody else. And as far as Dean Peterson is concerned, I mentioned before how there's nine automatic bids at one twenty five. He's the ninth seed, so he's right there on the cusp. Guys in front of him, Braxton Brown from Maryland. I was talking to actually uh, Maryland head coach Alex Clemson just the other day, and he mentioned how he broke out as a freshman this year, and, that, and that, that's a guy that majored. Dean Peterson, that duel, if Rutgers fans remember, uh, mm-hmm. earlier in February, it was kind of a surprise. It was an 8 nothing win for uh, Braxton Brown over Peterson, who's been kind of mauling through the competition, at least you know in the middle tier of the Big Ten. So that's a guy I could see him getting by in a second go-around. Malik, Heil- uh, Malik Heinzelman uh, for Ohio State's another one. And then basically, the higher you go, 
it's just like, wow, all these guys are in the same conference and these guys are a 16. They're okay. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So I would say he's probably good to go for nationals. I would say even if he somehow doesn't place in the top nine, which I would be surprised if he doesn't at this point, he'll probably steal an at-large bid just because he is a top, I believe he's still ranked top 20 in the country. According to Intermed, I believe he was like 16 or 17, maybe a little bit higher uh, upon last inspection. So he'll go most likely unless he has, unless he has a, a disastrous tournament and then all of a sudden, some other guys steal some bids, but I would, I would imagine he goes automatically. If not, he'll get an at-large bid. So I like Peterson's prospects as far as his placement. I would say, you know, maybe right around a fifth place finish would be best case scenario because you look at Lee, you have Liam, uh, Liam Cronin of Nebraska, who he actually almost knocked off. Uh, Matt Ramos of Purdue. I don't think he wrestled him at all this year. And then Eric Barnett, Wisconsin, Patrick McKee of Minnesota, who Dylan Schauber actually has a has his number a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe they have some film on him as well. But I would say Peterson probably – we're on the fifth place mark, but he'll, he'll definitely go to the Nationals for sure. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, Joe Heilman, uh, you know, has been a real uh, positive contributor uh, since transferring from North Carolina. Uh, 22 wins this year, 22 and six. He did struggle a little bit in uh, Big Ten uh, dual meets, two and four. I uh, seated seventh at 133. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, probably the same situation as Dean Peterson. You know, he's you know, 133 has that uh, nine, has the nine automatic bids, and Heilman is seeded seven. So by virtue of the seeding, he should get in. Again, he's been a ranked guy pretty much all year. So he's another guy that, you know, God forbid he falls out of the top nine, doesn't get an automatic bid. He'll probably be another guy that'll steal an at-large bid. I don't anticipate that being the situation as well. Um, so the guys in front of him, it's actually amazing because Rayvon Foley, of Michigan State, who he beat in that dual meet, in that in that great dual meet at uh, Jersey Mike's Arena, when the Rutgers knocked off the Spartans. You know, Foley's a former All American. He's seated ninth, so that's a guy to watch out for on the back end at one thirty three. But I'm looking at one thirty three in total. Um, you know, who, I, I I don't think he's going to win Big Tens, obviously, but I think Heilman uh, should be fine uh, moving his way up. I mean, obviously he has to get by uh, guys like uh, Chris Cannon and Dylan Ragginson uh, from Northwestern of Michigan as well, Lucas Bird. Of Illinois, he's only seated third, which is actually unbelievable. But I would say same situation for Heilman. It's pretty much going to be he'll probably get an automatic bid, uh, but if not, uh, he'll be able to steal an at-large bid as well and get to nationals. One forty-one. You alluded to it before, but uh, Joey uh, Oliveri, the, the way he stepped in, I've been really impressed. Year in a row, he's had to do it, but uh, you know, once Alvarez was out, uh, the way he stepped up and uh, performed. Obviously, he was planning to redshirt. Uh, how hard has that been for him mentally to kind of jump in and um, a five and two record in Big Ten uh, meets this year? What are you expecting out of him as the number seven seed at one forty one? You know, I think he's a, he's the type of guy, and I think Coach Goodell would uh, echo this comment as well. He's a guy who, on any given day, kind of like Alvarez was, obviously before the weight issues, is a guy that can probably hang with and maybe beat anybody in the country. Maybe sands the top tier guys like a like a Real Woods uh, or a Bo Bartlett, who all very, by the way, for uh, Bo Bartlett for Penn State, who all very was wrestling pretty well. And then Bartlett had that late six-point move in that dual meet when Rutgers took on Penn State uh, back mm-hmm. in mid-February. But Oliver is a guy who can make a huge run, in my mind, at NCAAs, and maybe you know maybe he loses you know in the second round of the tournament, but then he wrestles really well on the backside and steals that seventh, eighth-place spot on the All-American podium. I think Oliver is that good. He's been developing to be a guy who's an, a, a perennial All-American contender. Now, mentally, stepping in for Alvarez two years in a row, I mean, it's got to be exciting slash annoying almost because last year it was unexpected. You know, Nobody really saw that coming from Alvarez with the weight issues. Maybe some behind behind closed doors maybe saw you know hints of it, and obviously Alvarez couldn't really maintain 133. 
uh, for too much longer. So that kind of had to happen. But, you know, that was basically the second year in a row that happened for Alvarez. They're like, all right, well, we're finally going to bump him up to 141. Once he bumps up to 41, you're thinking, all right, Oliveira is also going to bump up, but he's actually going to redshirt. He'll develop. And then, and then come the 23-24 season, they, we're going to unleash this kid. All right, so we, he has a year under his belt, a redshirt year under his belt. We're going to unleash him now. Didn't happen that way, but Coach Cadell said back in November during media day, and I remember this. This is the one thing I remember clearly and vividly from media day was, you know, Sammy can beat anybody anybody in the country, but he's got to stay disciplined with his weight. And if he can't, we have a guy ready to go. And sure enough, Joey Oliveri was ready to go. So I don't think I don't think it's been mentally taxing on him. I think he was just kind of waiting for his opportunity, and you know, he got his opportunity. And again, he's in that range where he's going to be within the automatic bids. Again, one forty one has nine automatic bids. He's the seventh seed, so naturally. I would expect him to get an automatic bid as well, and he'll go to uh, NCAA for the second straight year. So moving on to 149, Tony White, uh, the red shirt, you know, had a really good uh, year last year, you know, wrestling independent. Um, now this year, you know, uh, up and down, he's uh, 12 and 10 overall, two and six in Big Ten. Uh, you know, he's seated number 10 uh, in this weight class. What do you expect from him and this weight class as a whole? See, I like Anthony White. I like him a lot. Uh, you know, going back to last year, you're like, wow, this kid is amazing because he had a tremendous redshirt year. And, you know, he comes from that South Plainfield lineage. So you're thinking Ashnall, you're thinking Scott Delvecchio, mm -hmm. the guys like that, like, oh, this guy can develop into someone like that or, uh, you know, basically in the same stratosphere almost, you know, be an All-American and maybe one day be a national champion. You know, at the very least, I think at this point, Rutgers would love if Anthony White can be a Scott Delvecchio, you know, become an All-American at some point, you know, you know Ashnall is one of one, obviously. So I hate to compare him to that. He has a similar style to him, almost same kind of frame as well, especially at 149. But I think the expectations were pretty big for Anthony White coming into this year. And he kind of went up against it. And as you mentioned, an up and down season for him. There, there were certainly elite flashes. But I think once he ran into Big Ten competition, you kind of saw the gap right now that he needs to close going into next year. Now, again, nine bids for 149. He's only the 10th seed, so that's basically stealing one match that you probably shouldn't win. You know, that happens a lot in the Big Ten tournament. We see a lot of chaos at Big Tens even before NCAA. So do I expect him to get an automatic bid to NCAAs right now? Probably not. Can he steal one? Absolutely. I just don't think he's going to get enough um, criteria or enough votes or enough love for an at-large bid. So I think for Anthony mm -hmm. White to get to Nationals, he's going to have to get an automatic bid. But again, he's a 10 seed, and it's, it's the top nine spots. So you can get yourself to that ninth-place match. It's a, it's a win It's a win and in situation. So I would expect him to be competitive, and at the very least, I would not be shocked if he's at the very least in that ninth-place match. Or you know, sometimes they have those ninth-place brackets where it's four guys fighting for that ninth-place spot. So at the very least, I would expect him to be there and fighting for that position. And who knows? Maybe he will steal uh, an automatic spot, um, which would be obviously great for Rutgers to get you know four qualifiers down low. So uh, he'll be in the thick of things. I just right now I can't put a stamp on it that he's going to get to Tulsa in two weeks. And going back to something you said before, just thinking about it, I mean, depending on guys, if it does happen where guys are you know kind of focused on uh, qualifying for the NCAA championships, and maybe they you know medically forfeit in that third place. If you're a guy like Tony White that can make a run, you could benefit from that, right? If you kind of get a little lucky by getting that far, not getting lucky by getting that far, but once you are, if you run into that type of situation, it can only help you in terms of uh, qualifying. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it happens. I mean, we, we don't see it too often early on. It's mostly towards 
you know, if a guy makes a semifinals, like, all right, I'm in. I'm semi- I'll am i automatically forfeit out. I'll medically forfeit the six. You know, we've seen that a bunch of times now. Again, it's a whole other conversation for another day where <laughs> the problem with that is considering it's a conference tournament and yeah. it's a big deal, the conference tournament. But again, everyone's focused on the, you know, two weeks after in Tulsa this year, for example, or St. Louis or Philadelphia or right. wh- wherever the tournament is uh, that year. But yeah, depending upon the draw, you know, that could be a situation where Anthony White maybe loses his first match, but then he wins his second one. Then all of a sudden, he might get a guy that has to medically forfeit. You know, just you know, we, we, we never hope for injuries, but right. that could be a situation where the draw ends up like that and gets a little bit lucky and he advances far enough where now he's in that top nine where it doesn't matter where he finishes, he's going to go to the Nationals. So we've seen it before. We might see it again. So, you know, it always depends on the draw. But again, I, I would say Anthony White definitely on the cusp right there. He'll be, he'll be, he'll be competitive for that ninth place spot at the very least for me. So now moving on to 157, Andrew Clark, uh, you know, uh, in a really tough weight class, he's seated 13th, uh, you know, has had a, has a winning record overall, but did struggle in Big Ten uh, dual meets. Uh, what is your outlook for him in this class uh, as a whole in the Big Tens? Yeah, so I was, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Aaron, you look at 157 for the Big Ten, it's 10, it's 10 deep for automatic bids. And I know he's the 13th seed, and the one guy he beat, Michael North from Maryland, is actually the 14th seed, and again, he's he's no, he's no slouch either, obviously. So, uh, the way I look at 157 is he can get a spot automatically, and I think Clark, based on the way he's wrestled this year, he's wrestled some tough guys, he's gotten some big wins. I know it's only just has the one win in duels in terms of uh, conference opponents, but uh, I think the fact that he is ranked and he's able to steal a ranking towards the end of the year, where he's ranked 33rd according to Intermat, I believe, on the last rankings update. That will help him for nationals. It'll help his criteria in case he does not get a top 10 spot. But I would fully expect Clark to maybe pick somebody off that's in front of him, you know, uh, whether it's a uh, an 11 seed, a 12 seed, uh, you know, even a 10 seed. Uh, I'm trying to look at the brackets one more time. Um, yeah, so like a, a guy like uh, Brayton Lee, who he, he didn't wrestle, maybe he knocks off him. Patted Gallagher would be a tough matchup, even though he's a 12 seed from Ohio State. He was a top-end recruit as well for the Buckeyes. But, you know, guys like that maybe, take off, maybe takes out uh, Derek Gilcher of Indiana. So there's opportunity there for Andrew Clark to make a run here and get a, as long as he's a top ten spot. Of course, he's going to nationals, but I think he's the type of guy that would be that would be able to get one of those four at large bids uh, for Tulsa in two weeks as well if he doesn't get top ten. So Robbie Kennard, 165, you know, has uh, hasn't wrestled too much this year, but an opportunity uh, did get the 12 seed. Uh, how do you see his uh, chance there? Yeah, Robbie Kennard's a guy who hasn't. I mean, you mentioned he hasn't wrestled much this year. He hasn't wrestled much over the last couple of years. Unfortunately, it's been a yeah. it's been an unfortunate run for Robbie Kennard because you go back to uh, the 2019-20 season, I believe it was, where he was a red shirt, wrestled a lot, looking good, and then his first year in the lab at 157 was that shortened 2021 season. So. Nobody got mat time that year. We're talking about four duels yeah. that year. Because I think Rutgers had a COVID issue then when, when they had a canceled quad meet that year. Mm-hmm. So he didn't get much time that year, did not qualify for nationals. Then you go back to last year as well. Didn't wrestle much last year as well. After one for the seven, he got banged up again. I think it was, I think it was the Big Ten tournament where, you know, he uh, missed out with uh, injuries. I, I, forget, I forget his exact timeline, but this is a guy that's dealt with, you know, broken noses, uh, other injuries, concussions. The COVID season, I mean, he's just been so unlucky because he was a top-end recruit for Rutgers, you know, two-time state champion from Wall Township. I mean, he's he was one of those blue, one of those blue-chip guys out of New Jersey. He just hasn't been able to be solidified at one weight class and have a, a just a regular season at this point. So 
again, banged up again. I, I think it was the Ryder match. Or I, 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 I think I'm back. It was the Indiana match. It was essentially why Rutgers lost that match, where he got hurt in the middle of the match, ended up getting turned, got pinned, and that was the score. Or that was the difference in the team score. So, if healthy, he's got a lot of tools, and I think he's finally settled into this 165 weight class where he's up a weight this year. Obviously, the problem is there's only eight spots for him at 165, and he's the 12th seed right now, so he has some work to do. He's not going to be a guy that's going to get a at-large bid in my mind, but I think he's a guy that he could surprise you on the back end of this tournament. Now, this is what happens sometimes this year where like, where the Big Ten sometimes will wrestle. I think They don't always do it, but I think in the, in the event that if you have eight guys, right, eight bids, they will wrestle to a true ninth place. If you get ninth place, it's like, okay, that'll give you some gumption for criteria in that large bid, or if somebody's hurt, then they, they'll just bump you up to you know one mm-hmm. spot. So I believe they still do that. I mean, it, it goes in and out every year. I, I always forget. I'm always confused because, you know, the Big Ten <laughs> tournament's got a Big Ten tournament, right? So, I, don't, I mean, for right now, because it's only the top eight, I'm going to say he's not going to get an, at, or, uh, an, an automatic bid at large. It's going to be tough to come by, but I would not be surprised if Kennard can pull off something in the back end in the wrestlebacks of this tournament this weekend and maybe make a little bit of a run. Again, he has the stuff. He has the tools. It's just that he has to be able to put it all together, and if he's finally healthy and can just have one great weekend, we could see him in Tulsa in two weeks, but he'll be up against it for sure. Well, and even so, right? I mean, for someone like him that hasn't had a lot of mat time, it, it's a great development opportunity for him right. also to build off for next season. Right, absolutely. And, you know, again, he'll – you know, I feel like he's been in the program for so long at this point, but <laughs> this could be his spot again next year, 165, depending upon you know who comes in, who goes out, who moves up, who moves down. So, um, you know, he's a guy that I think just needs a full slate here, and you could see the potential that Rucker saw in him as a recruit for sure. So, 174, Jackson Turley. Uh, you referenced it in the beginning. Um, you know, two years ago when he was able to make that incredible run at nationals, hasn't really been able to be consistent and put it together since. Um, but again, he's a guy that's proven if he can get hot, he can make a real run. Uh, what do you think? What, what I guess have you seen from him lately? And do you think he can replicate that type of run this weekend? You see, when I look at Jackson Turley, I expect big moves. I expect flashiness. I expect a guy who is going to be a perennial All-American contender. I think that's what we saw a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, his the year before that, he was in and out of the lineup at 165 where they, were, they weren't sure if they wanted to burn his red shirt. They kind of just put him in there. You know, We saw the flashiness, and then it all came together during the shortened year, which unfortunately, you didn't see it over in an elongated time, but he made that huge run in Nationals, which that's what sticks out to everybody's mind. So Now, 174 only has seven spots. He's the 10th seat. So mm-hmm. he's going to be up against it as well. Will he get in that large bid? I'm going to say no. If he fell in that spot, I think he has to be an automatic qualifier, but you never know is based on the competition he's wrestled, but his record's not that good right now. I think I believe he might've been a preseason ranked guy at some point. I, you know, they're, they're using history with Jackson Turley right now saying, all right, he's a former all American. He deserves to at least have, you know, give him, give him some credit a little bit. He was, he was in the rankings in the preseason. He's coming off a bad soldier, uh, shoulder surgery, or I, I should say like a bad shoulder injury where he was shut down last year and had the surgery. That, that's what I should say. I don't think that shoulder has uh, been back to 100%. I th- and not, I'm not saying he rushed it. I don't know his medical history. This is my own speculation and my educated opinion. I think that's what's limited him a little bit. I th- I'm not saying he's afraid to go full, uh, full force, but obviously – you know, whether you want to admit it or not, 
there's a mental block with injuries. Not mm-hmm. saying he has that. I think it is a little bit of a contributing factor. Obviously, he's been limited. You know, I, I think early on in the season, you saw he was a little bit limited as to what he can normally do uh, in terms of certain positions where he is great defensively and neutral, the way he wants to attack on top, the way he shoots as well. So we've seen more flashes of the old Jackson Turley late in the season. He just hasn't put it all together consistently yet. Now, again, this could be the right time where if he's feeling good going to this tournament, he might string together some, you know, let's say three or four good matches in a row. All of a sudden, he's in that top seven or he's wrestling for seventh place and he can maybe get that automatic bid. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he is going to qualify. I just don't know how yet, mm-hmm. whether like he steals an at-large bid or he does get seventh place. But I'm going to say Jackson Turley will be one of Rutgers NCAA qualifiers for Tulsa in two weeks. I like that prediction. And, um, you know, moving on to 184, Brian Saldano, you mentioned him at the top. Uh, you know, he's had a really, really good freshman year, I think, uh, you know, winning record in Big Ten uh, meets. Um, but, you know, again, uh, only seated eighth going in. Uh, wh- what do you think he has uh, potential-wise for this weekend? Saldano was a guy I, I could not wait for to watch wrestle this year. It was I, I saw seeing him in high school, how he won his three state titles at high point. I saw him in some uh, off-season freestyle stuff that I actually called as well. Uh, this is going back a year or two ago in the you know the late stages of winter. I want to say it's 2021, roughly. He is just so dynamic. You never thought his style would translate to college that well, where he's just mm-hmm. he's a wild man. He loves going to his back. He to me because I mean the way I look at it, I mean I, I've been training jiu-jitsu for almost three years now. You know, as as a blue belt, I don't know too much, but I know a good a good amount where. I see a lot of jujitsu principles in his wrestling game. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if that's exactly what he tries to do, but it's part of his game as well, where he uses a lot of elevations, likes to go to his back, which you really shouldn't do in wrestling. He's very unorthodox. I love it. He's starting, he's developing more of a traditional wrestling game as well, which you definitely need for college. You know, just a standard, you know, on your feet, shoot, get a takedown, and then, then, then go to work on top. Again, he adds that to, he's been adding that to his game. I would say lately, He's very flashy. I think with that style, he could beat anybody, maybe except Aaron Brooks at Penn State, which obviously Brooks showed you the difference between Brooks, a two-time national champion, and Soldano, a true freshman at this moment. So, again, 184, nine spots. Soldano's the eighth seed. I would fully expect him to get the Nationals, whether it's automatic or if it's an at-large bid. He's been a top 15 guy pretty much all year. I think he got as high as nearly the top 10 at one point uh, earlier mm-hmm. in the year once he – was solidified as the guy in front of Poznanski this year. And they put Poznanski in red shirt. So um, Soldano, I, I fully expect him to kind of put on a show here at Big Tens and then really let it fly at NCAAs as a true freshman. So um, I would expect a pretty good tournament out of him. Again, can't go too nuts because there are some guys in front of him that are really good. I know he didn't wrestle Pinto of Nebraska uh, during that final dual meet. He just didn't wrestle. Uh, I, I think Rutgers just forfeited that weight. Um, I would love to see a rematch with – uh, Lane Malchuski of Michigan State. That was a wild one in that duel me. So I think uh, out of the top five guys where you look at Brooks, Romero, Salazar, Fine, Silver, and Assad, I think Soldano's right there with all those guys. I think he can, he can finish as high as six, maybe fifth as well. Again, Big Ten's just so loaded in, at 184 as well, but Soldano should definitely be in Tulsa in two weeks. Yeah, it would be really exciting to see what he can do at Nationals in addition to this weekend as well. Uh, 197, Billy Janzer. He's had a little bit of a disjointed season. I, I believe he went through an injury at one point as well. Um, you know, uh, he's seated uh, on the high end uh, at 11. Uh, what do you think he can do in that weight class overall? 
Yeah, again, it's another situation where that's uh, nine bids deep for the Big Ten, so he just needs to pick off one or two guys, and then he's in that top nine. You know, Janzer's a two-time qualifier for a reason. He knows how to wrestle in these big tournaments. Obviously, it, it stunk was back in uh, 2020 when he was still at 184. And, of course, that Big Ten tournament was at Rutgers, so he, got the, he, 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 you know, he had the home crowd juice at 184. He qualified, no tournament, obviously, due to the uh, beginning of the pandemic. And then 2021, shortened year, 197, very shortened season. He had a lot of criteria from the previous season. He bumped up the weight class, depending upon who he wrestled. I think he might have been one in four or two in three, something very small, very small sample size. Did well enough in the Big Ten tournament, got the NCAA qualifier bid. I, I think, yeah, it was definitely not large, but I think in 2021. So, again, he's a two time qualifier for a reason. He was a state champion at Delsey, uh, at, uh, in New Jersey, obviously. So, he knows how to wrestle in these big spots. You know, he, he's Jersey, he's Jersey tough, Jersey bred. You know, I hate to throw the cliches out there, but he's he's a he's a, he's a really really tough dude. I love watching him wrestle. He wrestles a lot of close matches. That could be to his advantage as well against some of these guys that he has to pick off in the Big Ten tournament. So, I'm I'm leaning towards he's gonna he he'll get back somehow. Whether I mean I don't think he's gonna get that large bit. I I, I think it it might be Flow wrestling where he is getting some honorable mention. I think Flow goes like 25 deep and they start doing the honorable mentions for the rankings. I think he was getting honorable mention rankings despite the fact that he was under 500 at one point this year, but it was based on the quality of guys he's wrestled, how he's looked. And obviously, as you mentioned before, he was bad. I think, I believe it was a knee injury uh, earlier this year as well. But and plus the dude, the, you know, the dude's coming off back surgery from last year where he didn't wrestle last year. So I think he's now just getting back into the thick of things at the right time. So I would not be shocked if he steals a bit. I can't go on a limb and say he's definitely going to go, but I would not be shocked if I see Janzer being a three-time qualifier now in two weeks. And lastly, heavyweight uh, Boone McDermott, uh, you know, did have some injuries this year as well His back has been, uh, you know, performing pretty well since he's returned. Uh, you know, he's seated sixth. Uh, you know, what do you, what do you think about his chances this weekend? Yeah. He's actually the highest seated guy for Rutgers in there uh, out of all, out of all 10 guys that are uh, in their respective brackets right now, based on the preseeds. You know, as you mentioned, number six heavyweight goes pretty deep this year. Uh, it goes um, nine guys deep for bids. Obviously, you have uh, Greg Kirkfleet uh, of uh, Penn State, national title contender Mason Paris, the number one seed from Michigan. He's a national title contender as well. So this, the Big Ten traditionally always has ridiculous heavyweights. And those are only the top two guys. The third seed is Tony Cassiope from Iowa. I mean, come on. Lucas Davison, Northwestern, Trent Hilger of Wisconsin. Those are the five guys in front of McDermott right now. And I think those are the only five guys that he has not – those are the only five guys he has not beaten in his career – could he pick off one of those guys? I would say maybe Davidson or Hilger he could pick off. But those other three guys, you know, I mentioned Paris, Kirkliet, and um, Cassiope. Those three guys are on a different level. Those might be your top three guys at Nationals in Tulsa in two weeks. But McDermott, for sure, I think is going to get an automatic spot. So I'm looking down just to kind of sum it all up. I would say 120. I would say Peterson, Heilman, Oliveri. Let's go Clark. I would say Turley, Soldano. And then definitely McDermott. So I think I think best case scenario, or not maybe not best case scenario, but I would say right off the bat, Rutgers at least is going to get six to seven qualifiers right off the bat. Then you might steal, you know, maybe one or two more. So despite the fact that this lineup has been very young this year, and, and some guys have been inconsistent, you can get you. I, I could see a good amount of guys making the trip to Tulsa in two weeks, and McDermott is certainly one of them. I think at this point, uh, Aaron, he's an All American contender. I would say at, at, at the very least in Tulsa in two weeks, you're going to see him, you know, maybe he'll get a decent seed, maybe win a match or two, drop to the wrestlebacks, you know, unless he picks somebody off. And then you're seeing him in that round of 16, then in the blood round. I would say right around the blood round for McDermott, 
has a chance to, to, to grab an All-American spot in the end. I think he's one of the uh, bigger contenders for Rutgers this year to be an All-American. But, of course, you know, yeah, that's in two weeks. You know, for, but for, yeah. uh, for Big Tens right now, seeded sixth. Uh, if he wrestles the way he's been wrestling all year, and, again, he came uh, after the injury. He wrestled really well against Maryland. He obviously showed his stuff uh, on the feet, able to get a couple takedowns. Uh, I think as long as he, uh, he had these last three weeks, actually, it was a, three, it was a three-week break for Rutgers, essentially, between the last duel and the Big Ten tournament. If he was able to rest up, heal up, get a little re- more rehab in, kind of adjust to where he's at right now, I would say McDermott's going to be just fine in the Big Tens, and uh, he, he could put on a show as well. Yeah, I, I uh, obviously you're, you're much well versed with the team than I am, but I, he, he's a guy I look at as a guy that could go as far as anyone on the team, and he has that experience, right, as a JUCO national champion too. So he has that uh, you know big tournament experience coming into it. Yeah, absolutely, and he's a guy that I mentioned before put on a lot of muscle mass in the offseason, so he kind of bulked up to that actual Big Ten heavyweight frame, and he told me back in November, he was like, yeah, I'm like, I'm basically not afraid to shoot anymore against these big guys that are weighing 260, 270, or these athletic guys that are 240, 250, that, that feel like they're 300 pounds when he was weighing at, like, I want to say between 215 and 225 last year. I mean, this guy's weighing right. in about 250 this year at, at the very least, if I remember correctly. And, you know, when you put on that much muscle mass in the offseason, you're like, all right, how does he move? He moves way more athletically than I've seen him move since he came to Rutgers after, after he transferred from uh, Iowa Central Community College and he was a Juco national champion. So, I like where he's at this year. The injury obviously slowed him down a little bit, but I think he's back to form at this point. So I'm expecting a pretty big tournament out of Boo McDermott. So last question for you, uh, because wrestling is a little bit different from a fan perspective. You know, what's the biggest, I guess, thing to root for this weekend? Is it, you know, can can someone from Rutgers challenge for an individual title? Uh, Is it about the team finish? Or is it really, you know, right or wrong, rooting for as many guys to qualify for nationals as possible. Again, it's amazing. I'm, I'm glad you asked me that. Unfortunately, it's a loaded question. I think from a <laughs> ruck, Yeah, I think from – An you unfair know, look, question probably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you look at it from a, a Penn State, an Iowa, or a Michigan – so like Michigan, for, for instance, won the Big Ten last year. Guess who won nationals? Penn State. Now, was that a great accomplishment for Michigan? Absolutely. You win a team Big Ten title, especially since in wrestling there are no – team championships where you're wrestling in duels you know your team championships come from how many points you score at the tournament which is based on who you know how you win what guys place where on, on the podium as well that's how you add up your team scores in these tournaments so big tens a little bit different from nationals because obviously nationals you have the whole country uh looking after you or, or going after you so from a Rutgers perspective I, I would say if they had a lineup like a Penn State or an Iowa or a Michigan or you know one of the big four big five in the conference you could say yeah, I think Rutgers should challenge for a top four spot at Big Tens and maybe challenge for a top four spot at Nationals to get one of those team trophies. Now, it's different at Big Tens where it's like, all right, you basically you, you're placed in the Big Ten or you win the Big Ten. I think at this point, Rutgers fans, at least for this year, definitely should say we want as many guys in Nationals as possible. That'll be a better indicator of where the lineup is from a tournament perspective. Now, can they go score points in the National Tournament? It definitely helps if you have eight guys rather than five guys. You know what I'm saying? So look at it that way. As far as guys challenging for an individual Big Ten title, again, there's no Ashenault, there's no Soriano, guys like that, or Sebastian Rivera. So you might not have that. Guys who can, I think can make a run to a semifinal or a final. You probably look at a guy like Dean Peterson, a guy like Brian Saldana, maybe a guy like Boone McDermott. Uh, I, I wouldn't throw it out of the realm of possibility to see Joe Heilman make a little bit of a move or uh, maybe a Joey Oliveri, depending on how, what their draws are and if they could pick somebody off. But I think a guy that... 
two guys that I'd say can make a run to a semifinal or a final individually definitely are probably a guy like Dean or guys like Dean Peterson and Brian Saldana. But I think at this, at this point, you just want to see these guys wrestle really well. Because again, I know the conference tournament's a big deal. Sometimes the Big Ten tournament looks a little bit more grueling than nationals. So I think at this point, you want to root for, if you're a Rutgers fan, root for as many guys as possible to get to nationals, make sure everybody's healthy. And if not, maybe, maybe a bit of a Cinderella run. You know, look at Mike Van Brill um, from the other year. Made a run to third place at Big Tens. John Poznanski was third place at Big Tens two years ago as well. That was exciting. Now I think you, if you, if you, if you want to see something like that, that's great. That's a huge accomplishment and it definitely helps their seating as well. I think I think Van Brill was third in Big Tens in 2021, and he got. To, I know he didn't have a great Nationals performance, but he got the 10 seed in Nationals. Mm-hmm. That's huge. You know, if you want to root for something like that, that's probably a little bit more realistic right now for expectations. That could certainly happen. You never know. Again, it, the Big Ten tournament is absolutely wild. So I'm definitely looking forward to uh, being out in Ann Arbor uh, this weekend and uh, seeing what's going to go on with the, with the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, I think you're dead on. And, uh, you know, obviously getting as many guys in Nashville as possible. But it would be fun to see a couple guys in those semifinals. Yeah, make a bit uh, of a run. A shot, I, I, yeah. Yeah. And just a quick story. I remember back in uh, when I was actually still a student back in 2018, we were at Michigan State. Uh, broadcasting, and, you know, a guy like Richie Lewis. I think he finished third mm-hmm. that year in the Big Tens, but he got to the semifinals. He had some wild matches, man. I mean, I know he unfortunately fell short of an all of the All American podium. He fell in the blood round uh, two yeah. weeks later, but man, he got to the semifinals and he took on Isaiah Martinez. If you remember him from from Illinois, two time national champion, four time finalist, one of the great one of the great wrestlers we've seen over the last ten years, maybe even fifteen years. Wild match him, a couple throws, close loss to him. Um, you know, he he could he could have wrestled Vincenzo Joseph uh, from Penn State, a, a former national champion our multi-time national champion for Penn State as well. Wrestled Alex Marinelli when Marinelli was young for Iowa. Won that third-place match, one of the best matches I've ever called and one of my favorite ones I've ever watched. So you could, you could see something like that where these guys will make this run to the semifinals. You're like, all right, they're going to face the best guy in the country right now. Mm-hmm. How can they How can they measure up? Lewis measured up pretty, quite well and uh, paid off in the wrestle-back rounds as well. So we could see something like that, especially in the loaded weight classes. I'm excited to see what uh, a, guy, a guy, for instance, like Andrew Clark, deep weight class, Maybe he picks somebody off. Maybe he makes a run to the quarters. Maybe he upsets that guy and gets in the semifinals. You're like, wow, Andrew Clark, what a run here. Is he gonna, like, who's he going to wrestle? Is he going to wrestle the top guy, second guy in the country? Who knows? I think So it'll be fascinating to watch for sure. Nick Costco, uh, National Desk Reporter on three sports, uh, play-by-play for Rutgers uh, on BTM+. Plus. No one better, in my opinion, to talk to about Rutgers wrestling. Really appreciate all the in-depth uh, you know, uh, insight you gave us on this team heading into Big Ten Championships, and I hope you have a blast out there and uh, plenty of good news to report back to Rutgers fans. Absolutely, Aaron. I appreciate you having me on, my man. All right. Thank you.